not sure if you gathered, but most of us revolutionaries weren't good at doing nothing. Stasis was anathema to us. We were born at a royal. Over the next few weeks, the families paraded their victory over us. Their new sheets celebrating the crushing of the radical ward of Atrium and the arrest of the heretic priest, Lena Fisher. Now, the press's insults were the easiest taunts to shake off. Their actions were much harder to stomach. In those weeks, the Swifts lived up to their names. Drifts of them patrolled our wards. They were all that new kind, with their split-tailed jackets and their shiny new helmets. Not a single one of them a familiar face, and each squad led by one shitty scion of a great family or another. They were spoiling for a fight. We are under curfew in all but name. The slightest hint that you might be a radical, a wrong look, a too slow walk, carrying out they didn't think you should have, and you were arrested on the spot. All of this while we mourned. We were seething. We were restless and spoiling for a fight. Our noses had been blooded and for a while all it seemed we could do were to wipe it off, clean ourselves up and put on our best fucking smiles. But, as we're soon to learn, the revolution was more than just us radicals. And though it was hard to realise then, the families were earning no favour amongst everyone else by pushing their victory while the rest of the city were hurting. Welcome to These Flimsy Rituals, an actual play podcast focused on telling small stories in big worlds. Joining me today is Elizabeth Simones. Hi, I'm Elizabeth. You can find me on Twitter at Games. Ryan Evans. Hey, I'm Ryan. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BrainXray. And Steve Martin. Hello, uh, I'm Steve and I'm on Twitter at Purple underscore Steve. And I'm your host, Adam Dixon. You can find me on Twitter at AdTDixon. And you can find the show on Twitter at Flimsy Rituals. So today we're going to be continuing our game of Blades in the Dark, and we're picking up from the end of last session's downtime, where we saw the Nim Shifts and the Swifts hit back at the growing revolution in the city. We saw them tear down the barricades of the People's Ward of Atrium, and we saw the growing group of radicals be forced to go into hiding. I think as we join, the mood in the city is political loss. I think everyone's just sort of been feeling that for the two weeks that have passed since those events. There's also an anger and a hope that is growing. I think instead of just dissipating, instead of it being this lonely experience, there's definitely this feeling 
across at least, you know, half of the city, that now's the time to fight back. Now's the time for something to be done. I think as we join today, it's probably a couple of weeks after those barriers were torn down. I think the general message that has gone out to the radicals across the city is to lie low, to keep attention from yourselves. And I guess I'd like to start by just asking what that looks like for each of your characters. What are you all doing? Who wants to go first? You spoke first. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I think that uh, Ivar's been carrying on with the um, the school that was set up. Okay. After the earthquake. That makes sense. Yeah, and I think that actually it's gone better than people expected in the sense that more people are interacting with some of the ghosts than they would be normally. Like, this is sort of carried on. Is this building relationships in, like, the hint award between the two groups? Yeah, I think so. Um, And I think that it's sort of reached a point where even though, like, life is beginning to return to normal, um, people are starting to see ghosts as a bit more of, hey, they, they're there all day and they can look after the kids and they do have knowledge to pass on to another generation. That sounds good. I, I imagine before now it was a case of Tales End was very much its own isolated community and this is maybe that first foray into... Bridging that gap, maybe? Yeah, definitely. And I think that Ivar might have been reluctant at the start, maybe getting involved in it, but now he's kind of embraced it. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're really straining this pun van here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, what has Ivar's role been in all of this? I think initially, obviously, it was um, teaching some more practical skills that people living in a city wouldn't have necessarily come across. Like, I think when we spoke about it in the last episode, it was fishing or hunting or things like that. But I think that now it's maybe evolved into, like, survival skills, if that makes sense. But doing it using stuff that is laying about in Tales End. Maybe... Uh... I'm just looking at the map here, and there's another bit of sort of the fleshwood in the hinterward. Maybe it's leading a group of kids out into that to do some survival skills. Yeah. I think maybe we zoom in on that a little bit. So the idea I like is, I think last time we saw you talking to Winter's Yawl, the ghost that was beneath the cobbles and some of their people. Maybe you've taken a group of like five or six kids out into into the woods, and this time one of the ghosts you managed to convince to join you has come along with you, almost like a you're teaching them the way that you know you operate. So I think the ghost you're with is Artelish Scarron, who uses she/her pronouns. I think her tell is that she's barely contained within her own form, the spirals constantly breaking off from her like watercolors almost like twisting off i imagine that if you're teaching people to go out into the woods she's comically not really prepared for this 
I think she has spent her life in Embrace. She used to be a part of the university. She's wearing thick, round-rimmed glasses. And despite what you're doing, I think she's like clutching a book in her hand. And it's a book about like the fleshwood. So what are you teaching them right now? And she, she says that as she's like skimming for a book, trying to find the correct passage. Well, you know, the, the thing about survival is sometimes it's just about knowing the right right materials for the job. Now, you see this bit of flesh, would you? Yeah. It's been left out in the rain and it's gone all damp and see it's bowed. That's no good for a shelter. One of the kids pokes the damp fleshwood. Uh, it's gross. Yeah, I wouldn't touch it. Let's leave this one alone. Right. Now this one, this one's been under the cover of the trees. Now we could use this as a good support for our central part of our shelter. This could hold up a lot of weight. It's too heavy, though. And one of the, the same kid tries to, like, lift it a little bit. Well, you're not going to lift it yourself, are you? There's four others of you ready to help. Uh, and, and, like, they get into position to, like, lift it. Like, like this? Well, just be careful and, you know, just bend with your knees and lift with your legs. Shouldn't they be wearing gloves? Uh, and that's artelish. It, it says here that Fleshwood can, can have strange reactions to, to skin and allergies. Yeah, but if you're out trying to survive, are you going to have a pair of gloves with you? Artelish shakes her head and... Maybe, like, pulls some fabrics, like a scarf or two, from outside of her bag and, like, gives them to the kids to to wrap around their hands and kind of looks sideways at you. Oh, well, I I, I guess you're right. Could have made some in. Yeah. (laughs) Where are we putting it? Well, bring it out here into this clearing and then let's have a look for a few other things to see if we can get a little shelter on the go. They drag the branch over. I think the back end's just dragging in amongst all of the dried leaves as they pull it. Now, there's a couple of types of shelter we could make, but the easiest one is called a lean-to. What about the lead one? (laughs) (laughs) I I hate all of you. (laughs) (laughs) Well... There isn't a lean one. It 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 means it leans against something. But we've been doing our numbers. There's one, two. <laughs> yeah, but it it leans to something against it, not the number two. <laughs> what should they lean it against? Well, we all need to look around and see if there's a a, a big stone or a, a boulder we can lean the log up against. I think that might be seen. I think we we leave you in the clearing, teaching this group of kids and this new ghost. Very good. Ivar repeatedly getting flustered as the kids ask silly questions and Artelish having to step in <laughs> just to like point them in the right direction. Okay, um, who would like to go next? Do we know what Ash or Nia is doing? Go on, says. Is this Nia's date? Yeah. I imagine, like in like in general, Nia's had to do more like meals at uh, her parents, mm. and has been kind of like trying to keep her head down, doing some sewing and whatnot. But I imagine Nia's parents are absolutely the sort of people that are like, 
It's not safe out there, Nia. You have to come back. Don't you dare think about going into Calvary again tonight. Oh, of course, of course. I, I wouldn't do that. It's, don't worry. We, we just want you to stay in Acreage. It's safer here. I'm just, I'm just going to my sewing studio. It'll be fine. Cool. Which happens to be the den of like the radicals. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I just, well, I was just thinking that it's probably true that um, Nia's parents, at least one of them, can also do the, like the where they can tell if you're lying. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god! I... That's great. Nia has suspicions that their parents can do this, but their parents are absolutely the sort of people that wouldn't reveal that they can do it, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Cool. I bet they've, they've become like uh, an extremely competent liar just because of living with parents who can basically read your mind. Be very precise in what you say. Yeah, Nia never lies, say just construct the truth in a way that <laughs> benefits them. I just have to make sure that I personally have enough brain power. To... <laughs> <laughs> so they've been spending a lot of time with their parents and a lot of time in their sewing studio? Yes. Um, I also like to think um, that there's been lots of handwritten letters. Okay. I just like the image of when Sir at Sir Parents um, being extremely bored and writing to various people in Embrace. Anyone in particular? I mean, I think it's kind of off the back of the stuff, like that whole conversation with Ash. Yeah. Of keeping like, your head down, but starting to figure out what's going on. That makes sense. Um, nothing, nothing targeted, nothing useful. Um, kind of the equivalent of Victorian lady sending out many, many letters to all of their contacts. So almost we see Sam starting to like gather information? I would say gossip. Okay. <laughs> more <Yep>. than information. <laughs> um, more like trying to get information from the different areas is a lot easier if you look like you're completely normal uh, sending out servants with letters to your friends. Yeah. I, I really love the image of Nia having this network of informants, but kind of building it through this interesting like gossip way. It's good. So what scene do we want to have? Oh, are we closing on the letters, or did we want to do... I mean, my my imagined thing, highlight of the two weeks was the date. Okay. Shall we jump to one of those? Is, is this yes. the dates with Crick? What kind of date is Crick? Hmm. I think it depends who's leading here. I, ge I guess the first question is, this is like a couple of weeks in, is this the first date? Or have, have we had a couple of dates and we're on like the second or third? Nia isn't the type to be patient. So if we're a couple of weeks after that moment, there's, there's definitely been a couple of dates so far. Okay, so what sort of dates would Nia take Crick on? Where would Nia take Crick? I really should have thought of like, because I'm sure Nia has a dating methodology. <laughs> like, 
an actual, okay, on the first date, go and do something like this to get to know this information from them. On the first date, go and do a crime. (laughs) For this date, because I've decided that Nia definitely has a dating methodology and we're a few dates in, um, I believe that Nia would want to go and see Crick in his kind of natural element, maybe with the rest of his group. Okay. Oh, that's a really nice image. I, I like the idea that on the other dates, Nia has been taking charge almost and showing them a couple of places Nia knows about. And maybe there was another date where uh, Crick sat somewhere, but it wasn't, it obviously wasn't around his friends. It was somewhere within Limbus Ward. And on both of those dates, or on how many dates those were, Crick was confident and was self-assured and cocky in the way that Crick is. Then we get this zoom into into them being extremely nervous in front of their HQ as they get ready to introduce Nia to all of all of their friends. So just to remind people, Crick is the leader of the Flint Street Neppers. They use he they pronouns and I think they're stocky and a little bit bulky and have a not quite a rhino horn, but a, a similar sort of horn that kind of branches is not pointed, but like branches out in, in place of their nose. Uh, are you sure you want to come in? Absolutely. I mean, this has been going good and I, I'd like to know more. They sort of nervously pull at their coat. I think he's wearing like a big, heavy leather coat at the minute that he thinks is a lot fancier than it is. Aww. He's definitely worn it on two dates. Maybe even three. It's the fancy outfit that Crick owns. That's adorable. They're a bit rough, but please, just, we'll meet him more quickly and then we'll go, we'll go to the roof and I'll, you can see that view, I, I promised you, right? I'm sure it's going to be great. Don't worry. And Crick walks forward to the base of the tower where the Flint Street Neppers hang out and pushes open the door. And I think the tower is largely open. It has been abandoned. And I think at the bottom it's full of weeds and plants that have overtaken the floor. I think as you look up, there are a couple of half levels before you get to the top. I think a lot of the wood has rotted and fallen through. But the Nappers have made it their own. I was just having an image because like, they have all those gliders. This is like the perfect place for them to glide around inside. And Nia just floating up through the middle of it <laughs> to go and say hello <laughs> to all of them. Yeah, maybe the tower is like really wide and broad. Maybe it like tapers a bit like a, like a lighthouse tower. And one of them glides down to stand next to you. I think it's the one that... Did Ash meet one of them? Yeah. It was Ash that went to see the Nappers and there was the one, I think, she was very, like, who the fuck are you to Ash? Yeah, yeah extremely rude, actually. I think she flies down to, <laughs> who's this then? To, to Crick. And Crick looks at you and is like, uh... I'm Nia. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm here to meet all of Crick's friends. Oh, did he tell you where his friends? And a couple of them snigger at that. 
we just have to put with him. He, he he tries to tell us what to do, and and there's like a moment of like tension, and then she like pulls Crick close and like ruffles their hair. He's never brought a date back here before. You must be special. He he is a bit nervous, but I mean, we've been seeing each other for a little bit, so it's only right. I think another one like Sally looks you up and down, like. Is there a fancy one, Crick? Doing well for yourself. Where are you from? Acreage. Crick definitely gives them, like, a glare at that. (laughs) Mia doesn't mind. (laughs) They know they're fancy. They picked out this outfit on purpose. What what are they wearing? Just to uh, get an image of that. So, imagine... Take, like, a royal gown with lots of ruffles. (laughs) Fucking hell. That's a good start. (laughs) Turn it into a coat. So remove the whole front panel. I don't know that Nia's wearing a shirt underneath. Um, It's, like, trousers and a very fabulous structured coat that goes down to the ground. Sounds, Sounds amazing. Um. Save kind of because Crick keeps wearing this long leather coat. That's clearly a style Crick likes. Mm. And one thing Nia will do is design an outfit specifically based on Serdate. That makes sense. So I think there are maybe, you know, a few more awkward minutes. Awkward for Crick more than anyone of talking to Crick's Crick's crew. And then Crick looks and goes... Shall I show you the roof then? That sounds great. And Nia mm. flies into the air. <laughs> Crick uses the the like ladders and stairs that they've made <laughs> to to follow you up. This is just power move after power move, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, let's go see it. Why are you so slow? Come on, let's go now. Show, show up at their house, one up their outfit, <laughs> then one up their whole gimmick with their their gang. Nia doesn't think of it that way. Nia really thinks like designing an entire outfit is really sweet and romantic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think Nia's dates go very well. <laughs> uh quick as he walks up, Glockson goes, No no don't no Nia go disturbing us. Don't want any of your antics. And yeah, I think we we leave the scene there. <laughs> so Ash, what are you doing? Um so basically the, the the kind of general consensus is that everyone is lying low and trying to s- stay out of trouble until we can figure out what to do, right? Yeah, that's the general consensus. So we're not supposed to commit any major crimes, right? So Ash is committing minor crimes? <laughs> um, Ash is very frustrated with this whole situation. Um, he, he's agreed to go along with the sort of lying low, but he's still working as a runner. And he will still occasionally like drop a flower pot off a roof onto onto a, a swift or something like that, kind of pushing at the edges of the the laying low thing, um, and just getting bolder and bolder as the as the weeks go on. It's, it's more more kind of pranky stuff than actual harm, um, because that's the kind of stuff that he can rope the other runners into, being a bit of an ass basically. <laughs> So we saw in the downtime, the Swifts have had funding from the Nimshifts. They have recruited heavily 
and uh, much more visible, especially in certain sections of the city. I mentioned in Calvary Ward in particular, there's probably loads. Where Atrium was, there's probably regular patrols. Even if Ash thinks that they're pranks, there's definitely a danger to them that maybe Ash doesn't fully appreciate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I think it's kind of a situation where he doesn't realise the the kind of danger he's putting himself in. Yeah. Um, but he's just lashing out. There's there's a lot of frustration there, basically. I'm trying to think about what to frame here. And maybe a fun thing to do, which starts to get us towards a score, is we cycle back to Nia's date a little bit. So I imagine Nia and Crick are on the top of this tower, which I think we described as being a bell tower. There's a big, heavy bell that won't really ring anymore. I think it's half propped up by the floor beneath it. Oh my goodness. Nia definitely looks at it and goes, oh, my friend Ezra would be able to fix that right up. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I don't know if a Crick says anything. I think Crick just looks at you and changes the subject. I'm sure the quid. And then walks to the edge of the tower and goes, there's the view. It's lovely. It's, um, I mean, I'm, I'm still partial to our, uh, our carousel, but this is really nice. I think Crick says something cheesy here and is like, it's, al- it's almost as beautiful as you. Nia has a beautifully crafted response to all kinds of uh, compliments like that. I think it's like a, a, a slight <laughs> glow. Like, instead of okay. blushing, a little bit of, like, a tiny wave of luminescence. Is this is this the same as a blush, or is it more considered? It's a little bit more performed. So there's, like, there's like a hint of a blush, because um, Nia does actually enjoy being on dates with Crick. But um, save been performative for so long that the two kind of mix. I, I think you you spend a few moments looking out of the view, and then Crick perks up and is like, "So I've introduced you to my friends. Uh, when do I get to meet yours?" I mean, I we could go and try and find some of them. Can we c- can we cut to Ash walking up to the base of the tower? <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Excellent. Because <laughs> I just had an idea. <laughs> Go ahead, what's the idea? Um, so I reckon Ash has been trying to get in touch with Nilcat to try and do some jobs, but I think he's been lying low, I guess. And if he shows up at all, it's been like, Ash, fuck off, sort of situation. Um, so Ash is looking for other people to try and get a, a more exciting job. And the last person who helped him out on... Any kind of a score was Crick. Cool. Um, so he's he's come up with the idea of coming to Crick and trying to oh, get involved no. in some kind of job that they're pulling off. That sounds good. I, I think we get a knock at the hatch door of the bell tower section where Crick and Nia are, and like Crick swirls around looking a little bit angry, but one of Nepper's like picks up going like, I, I, I know you didn't want any interruptions, but there's someone here to see you and i think ash you're you're led up to the top of this tower and there's crick and nia both stood there hey crick um hi nia oh what what (laughs) 
Crick. This is Ash. Ash, this is Crick. Unless you, I guess you already know each other. Do you know each other? Yeah, this is, yeah. This is one yeah. of the friends yeah. I was talking about. I mean, it depends on like which group of friends. I don't think you'd like my, um, my artsy friends as much, but we'll get there. Wait, are you two? Are you two like... Nia's like just like smiling at Ash, waiting to see how long the embarrassed questions are going to go on. Oh, Crick is just leaning against a bit of broken wall in, in the same spirit. Oh, um, okay. Um, I forgot what I was here for. Um, oh, oh, I remember. Um, Nia, um, can you do me a favor and just don't tell anyone? I came here. Why? Because I'm 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 really bored. I want to do some I want to do some some real work, you know. And we had a whole conversation about this. I'm okay. Look, I'm not going to do any. I'm going to do any maybe stuff, but I want to do something. I want to. I don't know anything. I'm so bored of throwing stones at swifts. <laughs> oh my ah ah. <laughs> Crick looks at you and goes, so you're the one that's been throwing stones at Swifts. No wonder they've been all pissed off. It, it it's, not, it's not just me. Ash. They've got such shiny helmets. How many people have you roped into throwing stones at the Swifts? I, I, I don't know. Um, a few? Mm-hmm. What else have you been up to? Can we can we can we talk about something else? So how how long have you two been been? I don't know. Are you dating? Is that what this is? So why did you come here? <laughs> I wanted to see if you had a job. What kind of a job? I just want to do something dangerous. Well, something fun. I think Crick looks from Ash to Nia. What kind of reaction is Nia having? Um, I think. Nia is unsurprised, but also bored. So I think kind of like trying to maintain that look of almost older sisterly annoyance, mm. but also like, oh, but that does sound fun. Are you another one of Ezra's friends? Crick asks to Ash. Um, yeah, but they're not here. We don't have any work, sorry. And Nia, they're absolutely lying. Would you if I wasn't Ezra's friend? We don't have any work. Crick, can I can I have um uh, a quick chat with me or with Ash? Sorry, with you. Uh, Ash, just just wait here for a moment. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll I'll be over here. Yeah. Crick. There's something I should probably tell you. I can 100% always tell when someone's lying. I generally let someone know like when we get to like a slightly more serious place because that's kind of it affects a relationship and that kind of stuff. But um I thought maybe you would want to know cuz I 100% know you are lying right now. Quick stammers for a bit. I want <laughs> I wasn't lying. I'm, I've got jobs, but not, not for one of Ezra's friends. They'd skin me alive. Oh, I see. If you want to go running with someone, it ain't me. 
Nia, um, so Nia won't be doing this on purpose, but because they're closely studying Crick right now, and mm-hmm. their like interest has been piqued by this whole Ezra situation, yep. I would like to do the fortune teller move to kind of attune to Crick's thoughts. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. This, I think, would be like only a few times in that Nia's ever been able to do this. Do you want to read that move out? How does it work? Uh, So you may attune to a nearby person's thoughts in order to hear them yourself. Okay. So, yeah, this is controlled standard as a role. Um, Do I want to push myself? Kinda do. So do you? Kinda do. Nia's somewhat emotionally invested in this, and this is a <laughs> unusual situation. So they're very curious. Nia's an absolute monster, aren't they? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Okay. So how many dice are you rolling here? I am adding a bonus dice. Cool. So that'll cost you two stress to push yourself. Oh. Well, that wasn't great. You falter. You may press on by seizing a risky opportunity or withdraw and try a different approach. Oh, withdraw. Yeah, I was going to say, this is very obvious. I think pushing on would be exposing yourself to Crick finding out what you're doing. Yeah. I think what this looks like is Crick is just putting on this absolute blank front and you're not really getting anything out, out of them. Well, if there was a job and both Ash and me went on it, because Ash needs someone to look after him, mm-hmm. um, Ezra probably would be really angry. But what if Ezra was angry at me? That's fine. Come on. We both know Ezra. Ezra's capable of being angry at many people at the same time. But I have a unique ability for people to be more angry at me. So it'll be fine. This sounds like we need to make a roll. Maybe it'll go better this time. Does does standing in the background making puppy dog eyes count as helping? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't see why not. If Ash is saying anything, then I guess you could help. What if I promise no fires? Ash! You're not supposed to be in this conversation. Uh, I'm going to use Sway, I think, makes the most sense here. Yeah, and I think this is still controlled standard. So, yeah. Slightly better? Wow, these rolls are not going well. Yes, that's a one and a four instead of a one and a three. Um, So that is, you hesitate, withdraw, and try a different approach, or do it with a minor consequence. A minor complication occurs, you have reduced effect, you suffer lesser harm, you end up in a risky position. Minor consequence! (laughs) Um, mm-hmm. okay, I think Crick falters and like looks at you both and goes, as long as, long as this isn't going to get back to me, right? Whatever happens doesn't come back to me. Promise. Are you that afraid of Ezra? I'm not afraid of Ezra, just, it's just a hassle, you know? It's, it's a uh. whole thing, what? 
We'll talk about it some other time. Yeah, I just don't want Ezra being even angrier at me. So yeah, I think Crick thinks for a moment and goes, there's a job we were going to take. I don't know whether you've heard about what's happening on Lovin Street. And like looks at you both. I think Ash, you recognise the name of that street. That's the street where two of your sisters, Aelin and Mara, work. They are part of the faction called the Vials, who are a union of sex workers. I think, yeah, they they are on that street. No, my sisters work down there. What's what's happening? The whole street has gone on rent strike. The Vials are looking for someone to looking for someone to do a job for them. Maybe it, it's a bit of breaking and entering. I'm sure something that's not past either of you two. It's perfect. I can I can I can tell Ezra that I got the job from my sisters. And it doesn't need to come back to you. If that works for you. That's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay, cool. Um, can I um, borrow one of your gliders? If you bring it back in one piece. Wait, really? I thought you were going to say no. Um, Do you even know how to use one? Not, not really. Can, can you teach me? Quickly? Quick <laughs> <laughs> <Crick> size. <laughs> and it's like, Casa... And like one of the one of the people comes up and it's like sh- show Ash how to use one of her gliders. Really? Oh my stars! <laughs> this is the best day. Thank, thank you, Crick. Hopefully, like he'll uh, be satisfied for at least a week after this. Crick smiles, and we end the scene there. I think maybe Crick negotiates some details with you. Nia, while Ash is flying hmm. around trying to learn how to use this glider, where... I did not expect that to work. <laughs> yeah, I think... <laughs> I think the nappers were going to be paid eight coin for this. Mm-hmm. I think this is like, you know, the, the people of that street were putting together their rent to pay them to do this. I think Crick, as a finder's fee, will take two coin and pay you the six. And cool. the glider, though. So, you know, that's You've that's got to bring it. that back. Crick oh. was pretty cl- clear on that. <laughs> but it's fine. You can, you can learn how to use one and get Ezra to make you a glider. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> cool. <laughs> can you imagine the conversation? So, uh, I, learned to, I learned to fly a glider. Can you make me one? How did, how did you learn to fly a glider? <laughs> Nothing. Uh, just watching people. <laughs> cool. So shall we jump from there to the meeting with the vials? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. definitely. So Lovin Street is in Hinterward, which is where Ivar and Tails End is. So maybe we could jump into this scene with Ivar there as well. Does that make sense? Would Ash and Nia ask Ivar along? I I would think so. Uh, Nia would not go to Ezra, but might chat to Ivar and and try and gauge if Ivar's bored or not. Yeah. And I imagine, being that Ivar's now the good school teacher, Ivar's bored. Ready for action. Is that true? Do you just need to get something out of your system? Yeah, I mean, being good all the time is a bit, a bit much, right? <laughs> I haven't killed any killed anyone in three days. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe it's partially you ask him because this is his territory, but also Ivar's just there like, we're going to have to look after these two or they're going to get themselves into something stupid. A hundred percent this, yes. <laughs> okay. I like to imagine there's a great bit where Ash is 
trying to say where we got the job. The entire thing is just like the worst lie that has ever happened. <laughs> so one one of my friends told us that there was something, and uh, oh yeah, and also my 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 sister's here. Um, so you know that's who told us that this was a <laughs> thing. Um, so we're gonna go meet them to uh find out again um what the job is. Yeah. I don't really care, boy, but I'm uh, I'm just ready to go, you know. Um, <laughs> cool. So I think we jump to a scene in one of the Vials' houses. I think normally it's like a big open space with a stage and then lots of individual tables dotted about. But I think in the last couple of days, and while you're having this meeting, things are being shuffled around. I think all of the tables have made this makeshift meeting table where it's like this comical mix of different shapes of tables and different levels and different kinds of seating. And I think that's where you're sat around. I think the image you get all around you, both on the street and here, is there's just lots of people working in the same way that Atrium worked in the first few days of it erecting its barricades. There's people making sure that the action they're taking is going to last. There's people reinforcing windows. They've maybe even started their, their own barricades on the street. The people here are getting ready for the fight that they expect to come. I think you three are sat down in front of Aelin and Mara. So Aelin is your twin, right? So looks a lot like Ash. Yeah. Does she look like Ash in all ways, or is there any, any differences? Um. So she's got the same humanity, the the sort of mm. marble, the sort of uh, yeah, m- marble looking skin. Um. Very very pale hair, same as Ash. Uh, just her hair's longer, sort of down to down to her shoulders. Um, usually kind of braided up. She's she's the um the sort of muscle uh, around here. So Ash, but buff. Yeah. Um. And also just like hair sort of tucked away very carefully. No kind of bits of you know loose items of clothing, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And daggers everywhere. <laughs> just so many hidden daggers. And Mara, what's she like? Mara's uh, got sort of. She also has sort of the marble-like skin, but it's quite dark um, with like pale veins. Um, she's got like short brown hair, tall, very very attention-catching. You know, like she just kind of always catches people's eye. is is usually the center of attention in in any room. Okay, and yeah, I think you're joined by a third member of the Vials, who is called. Brahal Fret. I think he is sat at one side, Mara is in the centre, and Aelin is maybe stood behind them in that typical bodyguard muscle sort of pose. Brahal has a broad, soft body, long braided beard and sideburns, and is currently wearing a dress with the sleeves rolled up to reveal that I think his left arm is missing from the elbow down, and he's wearing heavy boots and is just sat in front of you. Mara looks at you all and Ash in particular and goes, Ash, how did you find out about this? Um, I can't, I can't believe you didn't tell me about the, the barricades. This is really cool. <laughs> it's like Atrium again, but you know, better probably. Mariana didn't want us to bring you into this. Well, I'm, I'm here now, so, um. You know, what's the job? 
That's simple, eh? Come on, you know I'm good. You, you know I can do it. And Nia, Nia and Ivar are, are, are better, you know? They'll keep me out of trouble. I think, uh, Aileen from America is like, if you'd be angry, I was Ash. Angry? Look, we've we've all got secrets. Now I've just got blackmail material against me, mum and dad and dad. Probably not best to lead with that one. <laughs> <laughs> all I'm saying is you're doing the washing up at the next family gathering. I think, um, Brahal leans forward and is like, so this is a rent strike. Despite all of this, and despite the earthquake that hit the city, those bastard Nimclads, those fucking landlord used to be kings, they want to raise our rent, and they want us to pay early. Well, we all looked around and said, fuck that. So we got with the shopkeepers, and I think Brahel nods to someone who is just stood pouring drinks for, for people as they, as they work. Like, anywhere over there, and the, the residents of the street... We all decided together we weren't going to have any of that, and so we're striking, and we can handle that. We can handle the strike. But we need some insurance. So there's a minister, Silaset Nim Kalad. She, she's been tasked by her family with stopping this. What we'd like you to do is find a way to get her to stop. That's what we asked the Nappers to do, and if they've sent you, then we trust them. Right? And Brahal looks at Mara and Aelin, and I think Aelin nods enthusiastically. Mara takes a moment, and then there's like a slow, like a slow forced nod. Ash just beams, a huge smile. So yeah, I think that is basically the job. They want someone to basically get the minister off their backs. And I don't think we've seen the ministers properly on screen before, so the ministers are an organization, a, a faction in the city. They are called the Ministry of the True, and they are extra judiciary agents empowered by the council to basically investigate and keep the peace in the city. They have their own authority to adjudicate stuff as they like. I think there are eight within the city, and this is one of them. Ministers are generally known as being dangerous. They tend to be you know, from the great houses, they tend to be fairly rich, they tend to have lots of resources to do what they do, and Silaset is the minister of this area, and like most ministers, has her own private army, or, you know, like, different different people they can put to use. Cool. That sounds fun. Hmm. This is such a bad idea. Nice low stakes. <laughs> Thanks, Crick. <laughs> yeah, Crick, this is all Crick's fault. Let's, let's blame Crick. Ezra's gonna be so mad. We just, we just don't tell them, okay? Ivar, you have to promise not to tell Ezra about this. You have to. But uh, I thought we were just doing a job for you sisters. Why we gotta keep it a secret from Ezra? Just <sighs> um uh, just just do um because they'll be mad that we're doing a job at all. Right? Mm. And we all said we'd, you know, lay low and stuff. But you get it, you're bored too, yeah? And we're actually helping. We're helping people. We're not doing... This isn't maybe's stuff. This is helping out my sisters, right? But even still, even though it's okay, you still can't tell them. 
Well, as long as things don't go south, I don't see it being a problem with that. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> Smash cut to the engagement roll. To, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think Brahal probably sits down with you all and gives you some more information. He's not looking for this to necessarily get bloody or anything like that or bring down more attention. It's more about finding a way to keep the minister to make this more costly for the minister than it would otherwise be. So, like, blackmail material, that kind of thing, right? That kind of thing, yeah. Okay, I mean, you can just talk plainly, you don't have to do all the euphemisms and stuff, we all know we're, we're doing crimes, it's, it's fine. Rahal laughs and is like, euphemisms are my job, boy. Yeah, okay, I, I, can, I can see that. So I think Brahal gives you one lead. I think there is a group of, I guess, criminals that sometimes come in here and have probably been working with this strike. Maybe they have one of their shops on this street. They are basically bookmakers. Brahal tells you that they've rumoured to have some information on Silicet. They know where something is on her estate that could be used. Ryan, how does Ivar react to that? I think that he hears that it's going to be to do with the likelihood lads. And he's like, oh, fucking hell. <sighs> so the likelihood lads are Ivar's rivals, right? Or at least one of them is. Yeah. Maybe we'll get lucky and it won't be them. <laughs> That's not how this works. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess the question is, how, how do you want to gather information for this score? What do you want to do? Where do we want to go next? I was going to maybe think back to see if anything that I've been like writing about and receiving would be useful. The mentions Silicet? Yeah, or kind of just like the ministers in general, just anything that might be helpful. Maybe like quickly sending off a letter to someone that seems likely. Who are you contacting? What sort of person do you want to get in touch with? I guess like one of their university friends because they're often like fashion designers or artists or interior designer, that type of person. Yep. It wouldn't be a real stretch that someone in Nia's circle would have worked on this estate. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so this is a gather information roll, so it's just a straight roll with no position or effect. This sounds like you're doing consort to me, mm -hmm. which is contacting your friends. Or I guess it could be something like study as well. Depends what you want to go with. Probably consort. Yeah! Nice job. First good roll. That's a six, so you get some good detail. Do you want to give a name to this person? Who is this person you're contacting? Let, let's call them Venel. I think Venel has worked on Silicet Nim Kalad's estate a few times. And on a six, you're going to get good information about this. So let's just give you the map. <laughs> that makes sense. So Silicet's estate is within Hinterward. It is a walled estate in the city. And I think it's got a few different interesting features. So there is a main building, 
And I think the base building is quite blocky, but it's over time, commissioned by Silicet, lots of different rooms and spaces have been added on. I think the main building of the estate is four stories tall, and you get this rough impression from your contact that the bottom space, it tends to be like kitchens and things like that. The middle two floors are for entertaining, and then the top floor is bedrooms and private offices. And then the rest of it, there is a second main building, which is built into the corner of one of the walls, which is where Silicet's, like, mercenaries and, like, people that she has hired through her ministry live. And then there's a gate here, and then the other main feature of this of this garden, which is maybe what your friend has been working on, is most of the garden is, like, very manicured, and there is a whole row of tiered ponds that flow into each other, that flow down past the side of the house and sweep round into the front, and there are lots of ponds that are built in layers. That's very cool. Was there anything else you wanted to know? If, if you've got any questions, like, feel free to ask them. You've got six. I guess kind of like, partially, I don't know, like, how much I am disclosing that I'm, like, mm. super interested, because it's like, like, oh, I'm doing a study on various architecture or for just for my new line or whatever yeah so then going ah so where's the servant's entrance and that little bit of water that goes underneath the gate can you get through there seems <laughs> um i think nia's trying to keep everything pretty innocuous right now yeah and it's probably only like one or two letters that you get back and forward yeah so like one question would be like what is the most surprising detail like what what's like a kind of like a a secret mm. about the the design of the estate because you know these fancy rich people another would just be like oh see like you actually worked closely with with her so like what's the what's the dirt what's what's the dish okay i think for the most surprising feature venel talks a lot about oh and then there are overhanging buildings and the balustrades are beautiful and but like the one thing Venel brings up is this idea that is maybe like one of the frustrations of the architect in which there's like a central column of the building running from the top down to the bottom almost at the back of the house that no one's allowed to mess with it's, it's like a gap on the floor plans interesting and in terms of gossip i imagine Venel is part of this upper middle class circles and it's sort of gushing about Silicet, like, oh, she's, she's, she's tough and firm, but she's very fair about it, and she makes sure that things are done well, and she's a little bit secretive, but she is a minister after all. But the one thing that she mentions is, yes, um, I do admit to occasionally being scared of Silicet, but the fear that I feel is nothing compared to the goosebumps that settle on my arms whenever I meet Vasic. And your contact paints this image of Vasic Pale, who is Silicet's second, who you get the impression manages the security of the estate. Good, good. I'm sure we won't meet them. It'll be fine. <laughs> okay. I think Ash is going to, as the person who's probably going to be the most involved in the breaking and entering, is going to try and find a way in. So I think he's going to go and study, study the map. Okay, the um the bismuth map trying trying to find what the cuts the cut looks like around the area 
because I don't come to this part of the city very often, so I don't know it as well as I do everywhere else. So I guess that's an attune or or study. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So you're looking for a way in that isn't physical. Yep. Okay. And it's a three. Cool. Yeah, so you get little detail. So what does it look like as you look over the map? So we set up in one of the, the world building episodes. It's a big slab of bismuth that when you look at it closely, it's it very quickly becomes obvious that it's a map of embrace. And it's a bit behind the times. So like so it's this kind of weirdly updating map where on the back the bismuth shifts constantly. Um, and it's a map of the cut, and it kind of overlaps with the city. If you look at it sort of one side to the other quickly, you can kind of get an idea of what the cut looks like and where it intersects with different parts of the city. And that's how Ash is able to find entrances, just by sort of spending a lot of time studying this thing. I think when you look at this point on the map of the cut, I think there's an impurity there. I don't think there's bismuth, there's just a block of stone. I imagine this isn't huge, this is quite small, but there's like just a lump of stone where the bismuth is otherwise just pure. Whoa. And yeah, it there's no information there. Wow, I mean that's that's information of itself. So cool. That's interesting. Cool. Slash bad. And Ivar, what are you doing? Are you going to go meet these likelihood lads? Yes. But we were just trying to decide whether Nia would like to come along and keep things civil. <laughs> yeah, sure. So the Likelihood Lads are a small gang that operates in Hinterward. They run local gambling rings, essentially. There is a big hippodrome in Hinterward, and I think their their trade is built on off of running gambling rings based on that. And I think the thing that really defines them is their luck. So they all wear sharp suits and slicked back hair. And I'm drawing a lot from Dorian Electra here and their look. They they have drawn on mustaches as well. My god, I love them. I think most of them use they them pronouns, but I think in terms of their own speech and own ways of referring to each other and often other people, they tend to use like our lad, lass, or limnal in place of other pronouns. I think there's a part of like young rebelliousness in this, and part of it is like almost a thieves' cant in confusing people about who they're talking about at any given point. Do you meet them in one of their gambling dens? One of their offices? Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think you you both walk in, Ivar and Nia. I think there's like a big open shop space where a bunch of the gang is sort of hanging out and they, they all watch you carefully as you walk into the back of the shop where I think their office is. And the two leaders of the Likelihood Lads are Fleece and Branch. And I think, it, is it Branch that's your rival? Yeah. Ivar and them were on a job together that didn't turn out so good. <laughs> and ever since, Ivar's definitely not been a big fan of the likelihood lads. That's fair. So yeah, I think Fleece has sort of slicked back hair. 
And I think Branch has slicked hair, but it's in a parting, and has two little ringlets. I think Fleece is in like one huge leather armchair, and Branch is in a chair to one side with like their legs up on the desk. Ivar, it's been too long. Uh, well, I, not entirely long enough, I don't think, but here we are. And who is this Radiance? They say, pointing to Nia. And Felisa, come on, come on, introduce us. Don't you know it's rude to it's not introduce your friends? Well, say my companion. Uh, this is Nia. Hello. I think they both chuckle and <laughs> I think Felisa's like, companion? Nia just gives them a look. <laughs> Did the vial send you, Ivar? Well, you know I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a job, so... Yeah, you know they did. You didn't want to come just for the pleasure of our company. Our company! <sighs> Nia's trying really hard not to kind of, like, giggle a bit. I, I think one of them notices that and goes, You see, lad, Lass Limnal? And they're asking how you would like to be called. Limnal, please. CCR Limnal. My sibling branch here. Used to run with our lad, Ivar. And I think they got into a bit of a squabble and look at them. They barely keep their eyes off each other. <laughs> I keep telling them that these lads should fight it out or talk it out or whatever would work it out. But... And they shrug. Well, maybe this job will help. Maybe they just need to, I guess, work together again. Not happening. Ivar, we can't do this just like you, me, and Ash. Ivar just, like, darts a look at me. <laughs> what? Just just a moment. Um, I, I need to talk to our lad, Ivar, for a moment. I, I think they do, like, a very casual wave. And I think, I think they theatrically huddle in with each other and start whispering. We, we, we'll do the same. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Um, what's the deal? You, you can't trust these lads. They're an absolute nightmare. You can't trust most people. Besides, I know when they're lying. Come on. <sighs> All right. Do you agree to their terms? I think I've uh, sort of strains back up after the after the chat and just says, "All right, look, you can come." But I'm not having anything, any funny business like last time. We do it properly and then we get out. Funny business? We're always deadly serious. I can tell. I really like these yeah, two. same. <laughs> cool. I think they give you some more information about Silicet. And the thing they mention is this space at the back of Silicet's house. When no one's allowed in, it's rumoured that only Silicet is allowed within that space. And they're sure that if there's anything that can implicate her, then it will be in there. And then, I guess if you've got any questions about any information you'd like, then feel free to ask it. Yeah, there's a, there's a column, and there's probably something interesting inside. But, like, do you know anything about, like, how to actually to get there or get in or anything? Okay. I think they outline a few different things. 
the things they draw your attention to is there is a main gate. You could try and sort of talk your way through there. I think Silaset often entertains people on her estate. And I think the, there are regular evenings where you could try and just blend in with a group of people. And I think Branch and Felice are like, start talking in Nia's language. They were like, oh yes, and then we could dress up like this. And then, oh, you could pretend to be, and all of that kind of stuff. Oh, this is so much fun. The other way in is there is a small stream from the that kind of comes from the river that feeds into the ornamental ponds within her garden. There might be a way through there. Uh, the other thing they mention about the column is there are probably two people who have access to that space. They maybe know some of like the housekeepers there and they're, they're told never to go in there. And the two people that have access to that space are Silicet, Nimkalad, and Vasic Pale, who is Silicet's second. If Silicet's within her estate, she's likely to be entertaining people. If Vasic is around, Vasic tends to patrol and like probably takes on a more bodyguard role as a second than most seconds do. Like I imagine a lot of seconds help manage what is happening within like the minister's space, but Vasic is tied quite closely to Silicet. And I think the other thing you find out, because you've done quite well in all of your roles, is it's rumored that Vasic is a spirit. Mm. So we get in to a highly guarded, heavily guarded um, estate and break into a secure vault that only the head of security and the head of the house have a key for and get out without them noticing. Oh, and also there's a, a mercenary army also. Um, cool, sounds fun. <laughs>